what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and put them out of the church. Dear friends, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have so much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends are here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Good evening, everyone. It's great to be here with you. Uh, for those of you who haven't met me, my name's Ken. Um, and as Grace said, next week we are starting our new series in the book of Zechariah. Um, Zechariah is the second last book in the Old Testament and is probably not very familiar to many of us. Um, it's not the kind of book that they teach in Sunday school or kids' church. Uh, and so there's lots of stuff in it that just feels really unfamiliar. And if you want to get a head start, then it's very worthwhile having a read of the whole book, um, not 13 verses, 13, 14 chapters. Um, and even if not, then just the first few chapters will start you getting into it. Uh, if you're really, really, really keen and you like doing your homework, um, then it's worthwhile reading the start of the book of Ezra, which gives you the historical background to it. Now, we produce handbooks that go along with our series every term. Um, these are out in the foyer, um, and you can grab those after the service. Uh, depending on your home group, you may be starting that this week, you may be starting that next week. Um, but this week, we are starting our, we're getting a head start on May Mission Month. Each year as a church, we set aside this month of May to have a special focus on mission. And tonight we're going to do that by looking at this tiny little letter called 3 John, the third last book of the New Testament, written by the same guy who wrote John's Gospel, uh, 1 and 2 John, Revelation. Um, so we need God's enabling to understand it and respond rightly. So will you pray with me? I'm also going to pray for a friend of ours, Napoleon, uh, who some of you will know who used to go to our morning church, uh, and he's just unwell at the moment. So let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you so much uh, that you are a God who knew that even before you created us, we would go astray and you would need to do something to bring us back. You knew that your world, your, your amazing good creation would get messed up uh, and yet you went through with it because you had a plan, you had a mission. And so as we think about that mission today, uh, we pray that you'd give us insights into it, not only in what it is but our part in it. Uh, help us to understand that and respond to that rightly. 
We do pray for our brother Napoleon, uh, who's unwell at the moment. Just ask that you would be at work in his body, uh, bringing restoration. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've noticed, uh, May doesn't actually start until next Sunday. Uh, but we're starting May Mission Month this week, uh, this day, today, a week earlier. And it's not because the pastors didn't check their calendar when we were planning this out. We're not particularly great planners, but obviously that was not the problem. We wanted to actually give more time this year to a focus on mission. Now, whether hearing about or from missionaries excites you or not, as we start May Mission Month, the first thing that I want us to think about is what is mission? And to do that, we're going to consider two words which often get put together. The first one, mission, if I get my sticky tape here, is going to stay there. What's a word that you associate with mission? Mission, say again. Mission impossible, yeah. Any other words? Mission field. Mission completed. Oh, I like that one. What about mission support? <laughs> Thank you. That's really good. Um, many people, I think, assume that mission has something to do with helping people who are a long way away, who are worse off than we are. Some people even think that mission means going to another country where you have to eat strange food where you wear interesting clothes and speak a different language. But I think that the book of 3 John shows us that mission is not mainly about location or language or even food. It is about what we are aiming for. It's far better to understand mission as the goal rather than our individual role. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, many people will know that Neil Armstrong was the first man to ever set foot on the moon back in 1969. Now, I don't know if it's a true story or not, but it's been said that when the American president, John F. Kennedy, visited NASA headquarters eight years earlier in 1961, he met a cleaner who was there mopping the floors of the NASA building, part of the NASA building. Why are you working so late? JFK asked. Mr. President, he replied, I'm helping put a man on the moon. Now, at that time, NASA employed about 400,000 people, and it was apparently really common that rather than saying, I'm fixing electrical wiring or I'm stitching spacesuits, they would identify their work as, I'm putting a man on the moon. This shows a very good understanding of what mission is. NASA's mission was to put a man on the moon. And all the workers at NASA understood that everyone was working together towards that goal. They realised that the big or little contribution that each person made had results far beyond what any one of them could have done by themselves. Yes, one astronaut would be that person who finally took that one small step for, for a man. But they were all working towards that mission to the completion of that mission. Is that how we normally think about mission? What is the mission of your life? 
In verses 3 and 4, John, one of Jesus' disciples, is thankful that his good friend Gaius has been faithful to the truth and is walking in the truth. Now, it'd be very easy to print out verse 4. You can download this from the internet if you like. Stick it on the wall at home as if this Bible was encouraging truth-telling rather than lies. And while telling the truth is something we should do, John's use of the term, the truth, means so much more than that. It's his way of talking. It's like a, a little summary way of talking about Jesus and living as a Christian. I think picking up on Jesus' own statement that John records in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The goal, the mission of all Christians is for people to walk in the truth. That is to know Jesus and have their life transformed by him, which is how we at WBC have tried to summarise it. What do the words on the blue wall just outside those doors say before you walk in the door? (laughs) To know Christ and to make him known. Our mission, as you walk in the door, you see it every, every time. Our goal, the thing that we are mopping floors for and fixing electrical wires for, is not to send somebody to the moon, but for us to know Jesus and to make him known. And so whether someone lives here in Wollongong and speaks English or lives on the other side of the world and speaks Arabic is not the main issue. If anyone doesn't know Jesus, who is the truth, then they are missing the one thing that allows them to be right with God. God's mission that we should all be a part of is that people know Jesus. And so what has traditionally been called mission, taking Jesus to people overseas in other cultures, recognises that in some places in the world there there are far fewer Christians than there are here. There are less opportunities for people to hear about Jesus. There are cultural and language barriers that make it more difficult for people to understand what Jesus has done. But hopefully that changes the way that we think about our second word, support. I know from growing up in a Baptist church that often when somebody stands up here to talk about mission, the message is that you either must go, that is go overseas, or you must support those that do. And by support, it's just a code word for giving money. But the word support in the dictionary means for one thing, to help another to stay where it's supposed to be. For one thing to help another to stay where it's supposed to be. The wooden braces in this picture support the fence. They, They help keep the fence where it's supposed to be, upright, not blown over. But I think support is also something that we all know from experience. You may get support from your family or friends who encourage you or help you with your work or your studies. We've all given or received tech support setting up a new mobile phone, getting the computer to work, helping mum or dad use the TV remote properly. But I think that the most common use of the word support is when it's used to describe someone who is passionate about sport. Who here is a sports supporter? Come on, hands up, sports supporters. Ah, good to see, good to see. Who, who can tell us the team that they support? Shout them out. Kookaburras. 
Panthers. <laughs> Anyone else? Dragons. Dragons. Oh, local boy. <laughs> well, if you've been at WBC for any length of time, you already know that the three pastors in the English service support quite different sports. Pastor Rod supports Manly in the rugby. The other Illawarra Manly supporter was here this morning. Uh, Pastor Mark supports Japanese wrestlers. Is that even a sport? Whereas I support the best athletes ever. Cyclists, yes, you all know. Uh, last weekend, my support, which mainly involves yelling at a TV, was for one of the biggest professional bike races of the year. It's called the Paris-Roubaix. It's famous for the cobbled sections, which contain rocks of all different sizes in the ground that the riders have to ride over. But the riders are not on mountain bikes, which are designed for that kind of thing. They're on road bikes with tiny little skinny tyres, which is kind of like driving a Formula One car in a rally. The riders often end up completely covered in mud. They get flat tyres and there are always crashes. All the way along the more than 250 kilometre course, there are supporters cheering them on. They yell and they clap and, and sometimes they even run alongside the riders to show their support. But the video that we're going to watch shows what happens when supporters mess up their role. He means that he gains... Oh! Oh! Huge crash! Somehow he's standing up. I don't know how he is, but Eve Lampert with My a massive word. crash. But what did he do, Hannah? Oh, I think he, he um, actually, there was a, a spectator there on the right-hand side. That he hit. And that he hit, and uh, it just threw him off. He lost his uh, right hand off his handlebar. He hits just the guy's clapping, hand. Just clapping for and cheering them on. Yves Lampert just hitting the spectator there at the side, throws him off. Yves lands really hard. Yves Lampert, the guy who crashed, was in second place at the time. They had about eight kilometres to go. They'd already ridden more than 250 by this stage. The supporter almost certainly cost him a place on the podium, possibly even a win. Cycling can be a very cruel sport when supporters can ruin the outcome. But I think that it actually illustrates perfectly an even more important truth, that supporters of God's mission do dramatically affect the outcome. In many, many sports, supporters are kept at a safe distance from the athletes, and maybe the UCI should investigate that. Supporters dress up in team colours. They cheer or boo, depending on how their team is going. But there's a very clear distinction between the athletes out there on the ground and the spectators who are sitting in the stadium. And unfortunately, I think that that's how we often think about mission. The missionaries, like the athletes, are the ones actually doing the job, telling people about Jesus. And our job back here in Wollongong is just to cheer the missionaries on, to talk about them and what they do once a year, to give some money and to say a prayer. But does the Bible teach us to support like a cheer squad or to be involved more like tech support? 
The proof that Gaius was doing what he should as a follower of Jesus was that he was walking in the truth and had seen in what Gaius had done. That is, verse 5, he had looked after the brothers and sisters. Now, if you go home and read 3 John again or 3 John again, it's very clear that John is talking about people who had gone to Gaius' hometown to tell other people about Jesus. Maybe they're in Gaius' hometown first and from there going on to other places. According to verse 5, Gaius had been faithful. He had shown that he was a part of God's mission by looking after these Christian brothers and sisters who were telling others about Jesus. We don't even have a clue what Gaius did for them. Did he let them stay at his house? Did he provide meals for them? Did he pray for them? Did he give them some money to help cover the costs as they travelled on from his town to the next? Well, the truth is that we just don't know, which is probably a very good thing because otherwise we would limit mission support to just the things that Gaius did. All we know is that Gaius looked after them. Verse 8 summarises it by saying that we ought to show hospitality to such men and women so that we may work together for the truth. If we are to be effective mission supporters like Gaius, we must recognise our common goal, that we are a part of God's mission. And so while we will be telling others about Jesus, at the same time, we will also be encouraging others who are doing the same. John praises Gaius for the essential part that he has played. And likewise, each person here has an essential role too. Going out to tell others about Jesus is important. There must be people who are willing to go to new places to tell people about Jesus. But that is only one part of God's mission. Who has the most important part in the book of 3 John? Well, we don't hear almost anything about those who went out telling others about Jesus and what they were doing, all we read about is that they go to John so excited about how Gaius had looked after them, verse 6. Rather than thinking of himself, making life all about Gaius, Gaius instead looked after others who were also doing their part in God's mission. Now to confirm that this is the right understanding of 3 John, uh, in verses 9 to 10, he gives us another example of another man named Diotrephes who acted exactly the opposite of how Gaius acted. John had written another letter to the church that Diotrephes was the leader of, or a leader of, but Diotrephes had not made God's mission his number one priority. Diotrephes wanted everyone to treat Diotrephes as the most important person in the world. Rather than looking after others who were telling people about Jesus, Diotrephes wanted everyone to look after him. What a terrible mistake to make, to, to get mission so wrong. I think what John's letter to Gaius shows us is the urgency for all Christians to understand their part in spreading the truth about Jesus. What that looks like in practice will be different for each one of us. But we all must have this as our common goal. We must make God's mission our mission. 
Now, you might not, you might think that you're not able to go and live in another country to tell people there about Jesus. But have you ever asked God if that's what he wants you to do? And it is true that God won't have everyone go. But we can support those that do by writing emails or talking on Skype, going along to an event like tomorrow's to hear what Anita's been doing. As we hear more about the two projects over May, we may see how useful they are to helping people hear about Jesus and so want to pray for these things and give money towards them as well. But it is not an either or. It's always a both and. As we think globally about other places where people need to hear about Jesus, we will also act locally. As Illawarra locals, you know far more people than I do who need to hear about Jesus. They may not come along to church here with you, but you can talk to them about Jesus at uni, at work, at the sport that you go to watch or to play yourself. Do we treat playtime and English conversation class as creative opportunities to share the good news about Jesus? You might not be able to go along and you, you may not normally consider their leaders as missionaries, but can you pray for them every Wednesday? Do we see youth crew the same way? What can we do to effectively support, to encourage our SRE teachers as they go into the schools week by week? The way of making God's mission ours and supporting those on mission is only as limited as our own imaginations. But one of the pieces of evidence that we are a Christian is that we will make Jesus known where we are and we will support those doing it somewhere else. Tonight, we are just like Gaius. We too have received a letter from John. The expectation has been given. Verse 8, we ought to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. We have to choose, are we going to follow the bad example of Diotrephes, putting ourselves first? Or will we be like Gaius, making Jesus known to those around us and supporting others as they do the same in other places and with other people? The choice is up to us. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a God who has made yourself known. And though we had rejected you, you made a way for us to come back. And we are blown away that you would include us as a part of that mission, part of your plan to bring all things back under your headship. Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand what our place is, both in our local setting, but also in the wider setting in Australia and around the world, that we would use uh, the, the amazing resources that you have given us, not on ourselves, but on the mission that you have given to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.